All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with class this morning. Welcome to class. Great to have you here. Okay, let's uh, read our verse together today. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. All right, welcome everybody. If you don't have a lesson sheet, Brother uh, David, would you mind going to the table? And if you don't have a lesson sheet for today, one that we had last week, raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one of those. So uh, they'll bring those around to you. Uh, there's plenty here for one per person, so feel free to take one. We're going through this lesson on servanthood. Okay? Now, here's the thing again. It's great to have you here, but if we just if we just come and gather together and we don't apply what we're learned, are we really accomplishing what God wants us to do? The answer would be no. So I would encourage you. I give you these lesson sheets. There's no blanks, and the reason I don't give you blanks is because we tend to focus too much on filling in blanks and we start listening and learning. So you have it so that you can meditate on it throughout the week. So um, if anybody doesn't, still needs a, a lesson sheet, just raise your hand and we'll get one of those two. Thanks, guys, for doing that. Now, we got through the beginning of this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the beginning parts of this lesson. So we won't go into discussions regarding it. But I do want us to look at this passage in relationship to servanthood. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And this was challenging because the people that he was talking to, as we'll see here, weren't just people who were living their lives, doing work. Some of them were slaves serving their masters. And they can get, you know, if you're a slave, you can get a lousy attitude because you may not be treated fairly. And scripture is communicating to the masters well saying, you better do the right thing because you'll be judged as well. Just as much as he, when he judged the, the children of Israel because of their sin, when nations took advantage of people, the children of Israel in particular, and abused them, he punished them as well. Yet don't hurt the image of God. Every one of us in this room are created in the image of God. How we treat our spouses how we treat our parents, our children, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, our enemies is all reflected in that image that God created. And he wants us intentionally to take care of each other. So as, as siblings, you, you may be our brothers in here, brothers and brothers and brothers and sisters or sisters and sisters. You are accountable for how you treat that image, how you take care of one another, how you meet each other's needs, how you do that. So what does it mean to be a servant or a servant leader? It's one who puts the needs of others before their own. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, humility, value others above yourself. That's not a suggestion. Amen? What is it? What is it? A command. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. It's not about us. It's about others. In humility, we should be humble. And we 
value others. It's one who helps and meets the needs of others. Now, here's the question of the day that we have to ask ourselves. Are we even looking for the needs of others, that they, what they may have? Are we considering what those needs are? Sometimes people ask the question, and in reality, I don't think any of us really need help with this, but we always seem to ask it because we get confused. It's not really confusing. The Bible teaches that we're to love our neighbors as... Okay? What's the golden rule? Can someone state the golden rule? Yeah, go for it. Pardon? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Okay? So, if a need, if you hear about a need, somebody's in the hospital, someone is having a baby, someone is hurting, someone has gone through loss, people often ask the question, you know what, I wonder if they need anything. Right? Have you ever asked yourself the question, when you were going through a difficult time, you know, I guess I'm just confused. People must not know, have a clue on what to do. You know, it's like, no, the, the issue is, is that we already know what to do. The issue is just do something. Just do something. And if, you know, and, and so we, we, we know what to do because we would know what we would want done for us. We would know how we would want to be taken care of, though that's different. And there are times, and, and so we're communicating in this class as the head of this class. If you go through a difficult time and you don't want a fuss, or you don't want people coming to your house with food, or you don't want, just let me know, and we'll pass it on. Okay? But the issue is, is that as brothers and sisters Christ, we meet each other's needs. We go out of our way to do that. Okay? If we're going to be a servant leader, here's the question. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess through the mouth of the Lord Jesus, or that Jesus is Lord, when you did that, were you making him Lord or just Savior? I like the fact that he's taking me to heaven when I die. Good deal. But what I do on this earth right now is my own business. Chill out, Jesus. I will live my life the way I want to. I don't want you to be the Lord of my life right now. Is he Lord or isn't he Lord? Am I the Lord or is he the Lord? That's a, that, that's a daily question, isn't it? Because every time we sin, we're claiming to be our own Lord. I want to be in control. But Lou has to every morning get up and go, Lou, die to yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your happiness. The student is not above the teacher or a servant above his master. So if I'm a servant, I'm not above my master, but the Lord is. Greater love is no one that is than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So I am the friend of God. But that is because I am a follower of God and his word. See, John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. Am I a follower of Jesus? That's why I, I, when I witness to people anymore, I don't go, Hey, would you like to become a Christian? Because the word Christian is so meaningless. I ask the question, are, do you want to be a follower of Christ and his word? And, they, and, they follow, and then he says, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out with my hand. There's confidence in our salvation. It's a term of respectful self-depreciation. In other words, I'm depreciating Lou and lifting him up. I'm building him up. 
It's a leader who is in relationship with his people or family. Servant leader. Okay? In other words, Christ, as our servant leader, as our role model, as our example, was in relationship with us. How did Christ get into relationship with us? What did he do? Pardon? He became one of us. Awesome. And congratulations again to your husband who just got his doctor, right? Isn't that awesome? He's one of us. Now, answer this question then. If Jesus left the portals of heaven to become like us in human flesh, dwelt among us for 33 years, sacrificed everything for us, and ended up dying for us. Now think about this. How can I be a servant leader and not get involved in the lives of people and be in a relationship with them? Mm. What does it really mean to get involved in the lives of people? Sometimes, and I understand this, believe me, I understand it, we're fearful of being in the world because of what the world can do to us or our kids. And I understand that. But Jesus was criticized for being with publicans and sinners, hanging out with the wrong crowd. But I want to make sure all of us, from the youngest person in here to the oldest, sometimes we go, yeah, but my friends, they don't love the Lord. I want to hang out with them. And, that, and parents are like, hmm. They're going to influence you in the wrong way. You're not going to hang out with them. And I get that. The problem is, is that sometimes our perspective of hanging out with people of the world is because we want to be like the world. Jesus wasn't wanting to be like the world. Jesus was in the world to win the world. His whole motivation, it was not about friendship. It was about saving them. He was going to die for them. And he wanted them to be with him in eternity forever. Now think about that relationship to our relationships. And what's my motive? Why do I work and serve at times in the community? Why do we do that? If it's just to feel good, if it's to earn your way to heaven, wow, wrong motive. Why we serve our community, why we give to our community, why we're involved at Parkview, why we're involved, you know, helping out the, the, the fire department, why are we involved in all the activities that this church does into our community? Its ultimate should be so that we can come alongside and build a relationship with the lost so that ultimately we can be a role model to them and they can hear the gospel and get saved. Amen? Amen. Is that not what we do? Teachers in here, thank you for what you do. Christian school, public school, private school. You're a role model to them. And in the quietness of a moment, when God begins speaking on their heart, to their heart, you may be used to win them to Jesus. Thank you, servant, who's working in, the, in our community with your job. You're going to be alongside people 
who will never step foot in Thomas River Baptist Church. You will work alongside people who don't believe in Jesus. That will probably never meet Jonathan Falwell. But you will. You're in the military. You're working in the community. And you're beside them every single day. Don't be undercover Christian. Right? Let them know. So that when they see your life and they have troubles. How many of you have ever had troubles, difficulties, since you become a follower of Jesus? Anybody? Thank you. Do you not think that our, those in the world have problems, problems too? Who are they going to go to when life is, is going downhill? To a friend who actually cares about them. Who, who they know is praying for them, etc. Jesus, although he was God, the example of Jesus, became like us in the flesh to serve humanity. Philippians 2, 5, 3, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In other words, he was willing to sacrifice everything for us. This time on this earth is so short. The Bible calls it a vapor, a mist, that appears for a little time and vanishes away. How many of you ladies or guys like tea and you have a teapot that you use? Anybody use teapots anymore? You hear that go, okay. And the mist comes up, and it's gone. That's our lives. We're here but for a short moment. And we think the sacrifices that we make are big deals. But what about in comparison to eternity? What does that look like? He humbled himself. He became obedient. He died to himself both emotionally and physically. How can we follow his example in our service to others? Think about that. Okay, if, if Jesus was willing to do this, if God was willing to do this for us, how can I humble myself? How, how can I be obedient? How can I die to myself both emotionally and physically? Jesus showed how to serve others. Someone read this for me. John 13, 4 to 5 and 12 to 17. That's a lot. So somebody's got to read loud and a lot. Who will do that? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what, I've, what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed 
if you do them. This sacrifice that Jesus did, this servant's action, was obviously unique in this culture. There are some churches, and there's no criticism of them, that actually make this an ordinance of the church, where they do foot washings. Okay? And perfectly fine to do that. The issue, though, is it just about foot washing? The answer is clearly no. The issue is, are you willing to get dirty for others? Imagine taking off the sandals of a person's dirty feet. And believe me, the average person didn't get Manny Petties. <laughs> Could you imagine the feet of people in the first century? Yuck. Yeah, Charlotte. Very humbling. It's a word picture, isn't it? You know, you, you see this, but when you actually do it, I mean, do your spouses this tonight. Cheryl's telling the truth, but she's not telling the truth right now. She doesn't like people touching her feet at all. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll rub it with anything you need, sweetheart. But think about the things that, how many times have you heard a need and you thought to yourself, yuck, not doing that. Yuck. Or, man, it's going to be hot. Or it's gonna, I'm going to feel gross after that. Oh, do I really have the time to do that? The game is on. There's so many things that we are willing to sacrifice for, but not necessarily things like this. Jesus showed how to serve others. He was willing to do the most menial task. Are you willing to do the most menial task? He wanted his disciples to know the purpose of serving others. What was he trying to teach them through this foot washing ceremony he did? He did. What was he trying to teach them? Anyone? Bueller. Mark. Yeah, statement number three. It involves humility. He, he, he knelt down. I'll never be able to get that. Oh. Sure. And he's washing their feet from down here. He's Lord. He's God. He's at the right hand of the Father today. He's creator. He spoke the worlds into existence. And he's down washing people's feet. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Indian 
that, that uh, uh, we felt we were superior to them. But when we got when I got down, it, it, they came up and said that meant so much to them that I, who at one time would have been considered superior, uh, got down and rocked their feet. And I think sometimes we hinder uh, our walk with people because you know we do classify ourselves a little higher. Uh, you know, Americans, and it's not just uh, whites, but it's, it's, it's everybody who sometimes get up here, and when we go in to a place, and, and like orphanages we went to, and children smell like urine, and all these things, and you don't react to it, you, you, you love them, and, and that's when they open up, that's when they say, you're willing to, to hold a child who smells like pee. Yeah. And, and, and you continue. It's not like, oh, hi, and then set them aside, but have them sit. And, and I, I think I learned so much more on the aspect of leadership involves humility. Because sometimes we have a hard time. Because we see ourselves up here instead of down here, uh, where we need to be reaching out. So, a lot of learning from the mission field. And then you come home and you think, wow, it's here, you know, a girl's pregnant. And we, and, and we sort of push them aside. Or, or someone's struggling with this and we push them aside. Instead of saying, I'm, I'm willing to reach out to you. Instead of saying, well, they made their bed, let them sleep in it. And, and I think the church hinders a lot on, on, on those things. Uh, Joe Dallas says, you know, someone gets up and says, I, I'm a drug addict, and we say, well, let, let us help you. Or someone says, you know, I, 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 I've been struggling with pornography, let us help you. And, and someone gets up and says, you know, I'm struggling with homosexuality. Oh, we got to get out of here. They don't need to be here. And I think, I think with what you're saying, with Jesus, who was he reaching? And, 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 and I, I think the church is failing. And the aspect that we set up and say, well, this one I'll help, this one I won't help, because, and, and humility is something that I think we all struggle with. We like to delegate. It's a whole lot easier to delegate than to do it ourselves. Um, as Jesus served the Father by serving the disciples, we serve the Lord by serving those in need. Do we see that? Do we see those in need? Jesus didn't focus on doing what he wanted, but the will of the Father. Someone read for me John 6, 38. For I come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Someone read Matthew 26, 39. Jesus had the attitude and says, you know what? I didn't come down here to do my will. So many times we want, to, we want our rights. And yet the Lord says, you know, it's not about my rights, my will, my happiness, my comfort. But I'm going to follow the Lord, the Father, and what he wants me to do. And he says, if you're my disciple, you will do what I command. Do I see it that way? Do I live like that?
Jesus didn't focus on doing what he wanted but the will of the Father. How did Jesus follow the will of the Father? He sacrificed himself on the cross. How can we know God's will? I, I, I love, there's so many times we make the will of God out to be really difficult. I don't know God's will for my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. I, and it's like, I, and I think we get into the minutia of everyday decisions so much that we, we sometimes are indecisive. We don't make decisions because ultimately we, we, we really just want to do our own thing if we're really honest with ourselves. And so what's God's will? First Thessalonians 4.3 says it's God's will that you should be sanctified. Can someone tell me what the word sanctified means? Set apart. In other words, I'm being set apart from this world and under Christ, under God. And then you should avoid sexual immorality so that you don't fall into that temptations of sin, etc. Okay? So if, what's the will of God? The Bible teaches us his will for our life. We sometimes get into the, the, the details of, well, does he want me to take this job or that job? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? He wants you to work. But which one should I take? Whichever one you want. Can I pray and ask God to help me not to make the wrong decision? Absolutely. If anyone lacks wisdom, he can ask God. Should I not take this one? Should I take this one? Can you have the peace of God? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit in you to help you to have peace? Yes. Yeah. We make the will of God out to be so difficult. It's just do what you're supposed to do. Just do it. Well, but, what do, but I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Is it contrary to the word of God? 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not have to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Okay? You're handling the word of God correctly. In other words, you're studying it, you're memorizing it, you're meditating upon it, you're learning from it, you're obedient to it. So should I do this, Lord? Is it contrary to his word? Okay. And then you pray and get the peace of God and go for it. But what if, what if you're confused? Again, if anyone lacks wisdom, who are we to ask? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask or her ask God. But you know, here's the issue. The problem is, is that we ask a lot of other people for their advice. But do we, do we have an intimate relationship with God and through His Holy Spirit that we're listening to the Holy Spirit give us peace? As opposed to somebody telling us exactly what we want to hear so we do what they want and what we want ultimately. See, those are the struggles that we face. Is this really God's will? And we, try to, we, we want somebody to tell us what we want to hear if we're not careful, okay? Jesus didn't focus on doing what he wanted, but the will of the Father. That's what he's asking us to do, right? How did Jesus follow the will of the Father? This is where you come in now. How did Jesus follow the will of the Father? Obedience and surrender. Pardon? Obedience and surrender. Obedience and surrender? What was that? He died on the cross for us. See, he surrendered himself completely to the Father. How can we know God's will? We know God's will by 
being sanctified, being set apart from this world, getting into the Word of God, studying the Word of God, praying and trusting God, and then acting. Just doing something. Just do it. Don't, don't hit, just do it. Do what the Word says. Do what you are led to do. For example, okay, I don't know about you, everyone's different. I went, so we went, we, we, we typically don't always go to Walmart because it's cheaper, da, 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 da. I can't stand Walmart. Neither does Cheryl. But it's cheaper and okay, we'll do it. If, we, if we're good stewards by doing that, fine. And I, I, a couple weeks ago, we looked at toothpaste. Did, how many of you brush your teeth? <laughs> oh, I do not see a lot of hands. Oh my. God bless you. Um, the dentists are happy in Lynchburg. That's why there's so many of them. <laughs> That's why there's so many of them. you got to brush your teeth, folks. Now, does, God, it, does God's will include, should you get Colgate? Crest? You know? What's your favorite? You know? Tom's? I don't know. Is it Tom's? Do you ask God's will when you're standing in Walmart or Kroger or Food Lion or wherever? Ward, do you want me to have Crest or Colgate? No. You just decide what you like. Most of life's decisions are like that. Just decide. God's given you wisdom. You can choose. There's freedom and choice. There's sometimes you don't know then you ask God for wisdom. And God can give it to you. God's will for our life is to follow him in his word and to pray and trust the Lord, walk in his spirit. And if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in his spirit. And the way you walk in his spirit as a follower of Jesus Christ is not choosing to sin, not living in sin. And if you do sin, you confess it. If you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you, but if you confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. That includes all of us, because all of us are sinners, right? Yes. Yep. So how can we be a role model servant of it? Put the needs of others before your own. How? Think about this. All, how do you put someone else's needs before your own? You'll know it instantly. Because in your head, you're going to go, I don't want to. Ever have that response for a child? Pick up your choice. I don't want to. We do that as adults, don't we? God says, I want you to go tell them about Jesus. I don't want to. I want you to go help them out. I, I don't want to. Your wife says, honey, I, I don't want to. You haven't even heard me yet. I know, but it's coming. It's called this honeydew, and it's not a melon. Be an example of integrity. Why is character so involved, so vital? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Who's he talking to there? Does anybody remember? David. And Saul. Remember this whole struggle? Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I may have, uh, have gotten that word. Who, who's he speaking to about? 
Solomon. I rejected him. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 11.3 says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The double-mindedness. Titus 2, 7, 8. Everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Eliminate the idea that life must be fair. You ever think that way? That's just not fair. Eliminate that idea in your head. Life isn't fair, is it? Is it? No. No. It's not fair. It never will be because on this side of heaven, until Jesus reigns, because ultimately the world will always get it wrong. At the bottom line, at the end of your life, all you're going to care about people. You're not going to care about anything else than people. What you did for the Lord. What did you do for the Lord? With your life. With your spouse. With your children. With your parents. With your neighbors. With your students. With your co-workers. With your enemies. How did you live your life around them? Keep the end in view. In other words, don't live just in the moment. Keep the end in view. In view. Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where peace break and steal. Does that mean you shouldn't invest in a 401k or 403b? No. In other words, the focus of our life isn't about just the now. But what he's trying to do spiritually is say, Store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, but where your treasures, there we are, be also. In other words, why do we sacrifice? Because it, we're thinking about eternity. Why do we deny ourselves to share the gospel with somebody for eternity? Why do I want to be in relationship with the lost? I don't want to be around the lost. I like being around you. <laughs> but I get around the loss to win them. Because I'm thinking about the end. Because do I really believe in heaven and hell? Think about it. You're a Christian. You live your life to the Lord. You're happy. You're doing what you want. You don't get around the lost. Because they're, they're just bad people. We don't get around people that we don't like. We just stick around happy because we want to be happy. That makes us happy. We're just doing it stuff for ourselves. And we're going to stand before the Lord one day. He's going to ask a question. Like the parable of the talents. What'd you do with the gift I gave you? 
Remember on September 14th, I put you in the path of somebody that needed Jesus, and you got your big back instead. <laughs> because you didn't want to stop and share. See? Here it is. Remember that time? And you know what? You're going to go, oh, yeah, I do. Does that mean you don't go to heaven? No. But why do you think the Lord's going to have to wipe away all our tears? There's a lot of the wasted moments that we're so focused on. I was so focused on Lou, I wasn't focused on that. Be a steward of the Lord. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Be a steward. Don Maxwell and many others have said it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What are we doing to care? For others, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, teach us what it means to serve. To serve you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To serve each other in the body of Christ. To use our gifts to edify them. But to also be faithful, to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the earth. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes... Pastor Dane pointed out, they don't smell so great. But God, they need Jesus. Because they are going to end up one day, either in heaven or for eternity in hell. Use us, Lord, to bring them into the kingdom through your power and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all.